Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Evans, mom to an almost five-year-old and a three-month-old, and I have mom guilt. I think each and every day of my life, it's one of the topics that will probably be coming up a lot here because it's something I struggle with ever since I've had kids. It's like anything I do for myself, I feel guilty, whether it's I'm working, I'm working out, I'm getting my nails done, I'm taking care of one kid more than the other, I'm going grocery shopping, I didn't, I bought too much of one thing, I didn't buy enough of something else. It's something that's constantly with me. And I, I'm i in a lot of mom groups, and of course, lots of my friends are moms as well, moms and dads, but it seems to me primarily that there is mom guilt. I This is not a partner bashing, a spouse bashing, a husband bashing podcast by any means, but I want to be real and talk about some of the issues that moms have or the primary caregivers have. It may, might not even just be isolated to moms, but in my circle of friends, in my immediate network, it tends to be the mom who is the primary caregiver of kids. And there's some funny points to this, and then there's some serious points to this, and sometimes I just want to pull my hair out. But it feels like since we had kids that so much of my life as the mom has changed, whether it's because I'm nursing or, in quotation marks, I'm just the mom, I, I deal with more of the kid issues. And I want to preface this by saying that I have a supportive husband, I have a loving husband, a husband who... For all intents and purposes, I have loved watching become a dad more than anything else in the whole world. But it seems like for dads and my husband that their life goes on, or my perception is that their life doesn't change as much. And maybe to them it does. And maybe my partner doesn't communicate to me as much as other people's do. But it seems like I mean, my husband went back to work after a week. Um, He still gets to go golfing. He works out. He does a lot of things that I struggle with, that I feel guilty about. And I'm jealous of the fact that he can find time to do things that fulfill him and still come home and rock this household and be a good dad and be a good husband. He finds a way to multitask much better than I can. I feel like things slip away from me because I'm so concerned or overly concerned about the kids that I forget about myself. And if I can get out to work out two times a week, I can. And a lot of times I post photos on Instagram or Facebook of, um, you know, it's a still image of me working out. But behind the scenes to get to that image, what you don't see is in the background, my trainer is either holding the baby on a bouncy ball or I bring a play mat where she's sitting and playing. I've had to outright nurse her during a training session, take a break so I don't get my full you know, 60 minutes of cardio. Uh, I've got a sitter that comes to the house that watches my oldest or my oldest comes with me and plays with the trainer's daughter who's the same age. It, it, it takes a lot of coordination to make that one of two workouts happen. I'm building some things into my life here now. I I mean, I say I could work out at home and I used to pre-kids and I could when I had one, but with a baby, it's really hard from a fitness perspective to to get it in. I mean, I have equipment here at home. I have access to YouTube videos and the internet, but it's so funny to try and actually do that at home when you're home alone with two kids is next to impossible for me. And maybe as the baby gets older, it, it will get a little easier. And when it's not 
100 million degrees here in Las Vegas, I can get back outside and get running again. But it seems hard for me to prioritize to make sure that I take care of myself. And then when I do, I feel guilty. Um, I don't want to say I wish I didn't feel that way because being a mom is really special to me. And I'm, I guess I'm glad I feel that way, but it's something that I struggle with. And I wonder how many moms actually struggle with this. And I want to talk about real talk, you know, some of this balance between, uh, the two partners in a household. And for me, I'm talking about man and woman. And I had, I have a few friends who we've started texting about this lately, about our husband's bowel movements and how long they actually take in the bathroom each day. It's become a running joke in our house that in the morning on Saturdays and Sundays, you know, if we don't get get up and get moving right away, as soon as daddy wakes up, he's going to take his one of like five 30 minute poop breaks. And I'm like, what, what do they do in there? I mean, TMI, but I'm in and out in like two minutes. In fact, I shower in two minutes. I feel like I never get that luxury of the bathroom break. Um, and maybe I need to take more of those, but I've been talking to other friends and they're like, yeah, I hope my husband enjoys his 8 million hour poop break today because I, you know, I'm getting two minutes. And when I go in and close the door, there's little fingers going under the door yelling, mommy, mommy, mommy. You know, I don't have that, that, that serenity now moment in the bathroom. So what is that all about that? You know, these multiple times a day, 30 minute poop breaks. <laughs> I mean, am I crazy? It's happening here in our house. And I want to, I want to know, I mean, are, are men hiding in there? Is that when, when my husband, you know what I do? I get a lot of Snapchats from him when he's in there. <laughs> so maybe that's what's happening. And it's become like the escape room in the house, um, which is, is interesting. And I have a few friends and a few family members. You know, I think about this when I grew up as a kid, we only had one bathroom. And this is not one of those, I walked uphill both ways to school stories. But truly, we had a shower in the basement and we had one bathroom upstairs that all five of us shared. And I have two friends and one family member that also live in a one bathroom household. So people have to be pretty efficient. So in our life, you know, we have three bathrooms at our house. So it's easy for someone to go and hide out and, and find a bathroom, but maybe it's different in one bathroom households. Or if you live in a condo or a townhome with only one, one or two bathrooms. Um, but the bathroom thing is, is an issue. And I think I made it an issue because I used to get angry. I'm like, what is taking so long. Just get in, do your business and get out. Let's go. And my son, I noticed he's, he takes this sweet old time in there too, but mommy doesn't get to. Um, one of the other things I've noticed uh, for moms, and I've seen a lot of visual images and jokes about this online, like um, what what women or moms do when they're packing to leave versus what men do when they leave. But I noticed this more trying to get out of the house with two kids now. Um, let's say we have, for example, we had a birthday party two weekends ago. I feel like we've had a birthday party every weekend now that everyone's turning five in my son's circle of friends, but to get out of the house, you know, I had to get myself ready, which I left with wet hair, whatever, um, getting my son ready, getting the baby ready, making sure I top her off, feed her, get her changed, change her diaper. If she throws up, spits up, poops, you know, get that done. And then um, organizing to bring all the things to the house that we're going to. So making sure I have a, a play mat for diaper changes for the baby. I bring always like one seating device for her, bounce a bouncy seat or a bassinet stroller, something like that. Then making sure the 
diaper bag is up to date? Do I have enough change of clothes for her? Because she will likely destroy every outfit that I bring. At least six diapers. Do I have wipes? Do I have a toy for her? Do I have bags to put poopy diapers in in case it's a really stinky one? Do I have changing pads? You know, there's a huge list of things. And then this was a swim party. Uh, for the five-year-old who who we were going to celebrate. So I had to make sure my son had his swim clothes, a change of clothes, extra clothes, socks, sandals, sunscreen, goggles, um, swim shoes, a towel. I'm trying to think of everything. (laughs) Like I make these huge checklists in my head. Um, And granted, maybe not everything is necessary, but I don't want to leave the house without something that we could, God forbid, need while we go to one of these parties. And then my husband, you know, comes upstairs 10 minutes before we have to leave to take a shower and I'm yelling at him. Oh, I know I was yelling at him to go grab tissue paper from a place to put the gift in a bag and make the tissue paper look nice because I didn't have time to put that together and make sure that's in the car. So then after I get all those things together, then I'm I'm sure barking at him, which I don't want to do, um, to make sure everything makes it to the car while I'm loading up the baby and getting the five-year-old in. And of course, the five-year-old is then saying, I want mommy to buckle me, not daddy. And you know, there's all these other moving parts that are happening. So just getting out of the house is such, um, I don't want to say battle because it's, it's not, we don't get out yelling at each other most of the time. Um, but it's, there's so many things in my head that I have to remember that I get frustrated when something is forgotten or my husband will say something and he's not being rude, but like, Oh, why did you forget this? Or why didn't we have this? And I'm like, I'm going to pull my hair out because I just remembered a hundred things and one of them got missed. Uh, and, um, you know, it's just uh, these expectations I have in my head to make sure that everything is done, um, is so intense for me. So maybe that's why when I leave to go do something, I, I want to make almost a list for my husband of all the things I want to make sure. Like if the baby has to go down for a nap, I want it done in a certain way. And she's got to be upstairs in her crib or her bassinet and swaddle. Otherwise she won't stay asleep for you. And, you know, I've got this routine that needs to be done. So I don't know if I'm just, I don't, I'm not like a pure type A person in my everyday life because I'm usually pretty chill. But when it comes to my kids and remembering things, it's really uh, in, intense for me. Uh, and I wanted to talk about, since we're you know just talking about all these inappropriate things, embarrassing mom stories. This, I want to be an ongoing segment because I feel like this is just almost every day of my life. And you can share your embarrassing mom story on any social network and use hashtag yourmamapodcast or email me if you want to be on the show and talk about your embarrassing mom story, prsaraevans at gmail.com. So I'm still taking prenatal vitamins because I'm nursing my baby and we're encouraged to do so. Well, I do a lot of our grocery shopping. I've talked about this before on using Amazon Prime or Prime Now. Uh, And I do a lot of the shopping when I get woken up in the middle of the night for feedings because I don't want to fall asleep with the baby and I've got my phone in my hand. Well, I was looking for a new prenatal vitamin and I guess I just didn't look closely, but it was labeled as prenatal. And uh, our box came from Amazon Pantry. Open it up. I, I still didn't think anything of it. It looked like the same logo of the prenatal gum. Oh, and I take the gummies because everything else <laughs> makes me nauseous. So I've got the gummy bottle and I, I'm taking it for a day or two. And I start to tell my husband, like, I don't feel sick, but my stomach is a mess for 72 hours. I mean, literally using the the bathroom a lot. I've got like just horrible stomach pains and gas pains and, you know, everything that you don't want to have. 
And finally, after the third day, I go and I'm just looking on the counter as we're, we're taking our morning vitamins, handing them out to everyone. And I look at mine and I realize that it's not a prenatal vitamin with like DHA and folic acid. It's a gummy prenatal vitamin fiber supplement. Now I'm a paleo eater and I track my macros every day and tracking what I'm eating. I'm getting enough fiber um, in what I'm eating. So now I've OD'd on fiber for three days, which is what is causing all my stomach issues and why I've been bloated and feeling horrible. So this middle of the night shopping resulted in prenatal fiber supplement that I did not need that I was taking and just messing up my body. And I was like, I wonder, you know, if I'm messing this up, how many other things am I messing up in my life right now? Because I'm doing it uh, half awake or somewhat sleep deprived. I mean, last night the baby was up at, let's see, she went to bed at seven o'clock and was up at 10, 11, 12, 3, 5, and 7. So, you know, my brain is just not fully fully working, I think, at all times. So that's, you know, one of my mom stories. And another most recent was, um, I feel like a lot of these are just related to my my stomach issues and nursing right now. Um, but maybe that's just having a, a three month old. We were at the pediatrician and the baby was asleep and I forgot to wear my breast pads, the pads you put in your bra to stop leaking from showing through. And someone walked through with a crying baby and I could just feel like everything in me just want to help the baby. I can't help it. I've got this mom instinct. I just want to hold and hug any baby who's crying. And I was sitting there and I was like, why are my pants wet? And for some reason I thought, did I pee myself? Not, not that I do that on the regular, but I thought, is that what happened here? And I looked down and I'm like subtly trying to check my pants and feel around, but my pants are seriously wet. And I go to stand up because I was kind of hunched over the, the car seat to watch the baby. I stood up and I realized not only were my pants wet, but the whole front of my shirt was wet. So I was leaking breast milk because of this crying baby and had looked like I had both wet myself and wet through my shirt. And I just, there was nothing I could do about it. I mean, I had a, a blanket with me um, in the in the diaper bag that I had for the baby. And I just basically laughed it off because that's all I could do at that point. Um, so leaky boobs are such a part of my life right now. Are they a part of yours? And one thing that I've learned, one of more thing that I add to bags now is an extra shirt, uh, an extra bra, extra breast, breast pad. <laughs> and I also keep them all over the house, but still, for some reason, I forget to use those suckers. I think it's cause I just don't like them. They're uncomfortable. They're an extra thing I have to have. And it just, it is what it is. And I'm sure people look at me half the time with my kids and think, wow, um, she's a hot mess. And I talked to a friend of mine last week who said, you know, six out of seven days I'm not put together, but I give myself one day where I shower, I wash my hair, and I will put on some makeup and do my hair. And I have to laugh because I think that's me right now. But I know from having another one who's almost five that it gets better. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and I can you know, fix myself up. And I start traveling again in August. And when I'm on stage speaking or, or doing um, events with clients, of course, I'm going to be put together and be ready. But when I'm here at home, you know, it's, it's momville first. And I think there's a reason people used to say, man, you have a face for radio. That's me right now. So I'm using my voice on podcast to make things work. But as people see me out in public, you think, you know, are they judging me? Am I going to end up on someone's random Snapchat for the faux pas that I have going on? You know, do I have, oh, someone stopped me at the grocery store. 
last week, I was with my son and she said, honey, I have to tell you, you've got stickers all over your back, like just random stickers. And I knew my son had done that in the morning. He was just putting, he just put stickers on me. I don't, they were Shopkins and Star Wars and something else, but I forget about this stuff. And I go in public and someone felt so bad for me. They needed to stop and tell me that I had those stickers on my back. And I said, oh, but I wasn't even shocked and I wasn't going to take them off. And she's like, do you want me to get them off for you? I was like, well, I'm sure that's fine. And she took like 10 stickers off of my back. But if she would, if she wouldn't have offered, I was just going to leave them and keep going. (laughs) It doesn't phase me anymore. And that's a nice encounter. You know, that's something great that has happened. Someone stops you and in walking around with a baby, I find there are so many kind people who offer things, but I posted uh, something in one of my mom groups, one of my many ones about, um, you know, what, what do you, what would you like to hear in a podcast like this? What would make you feel better or relatable or a topic that you'd like to talk about on your mama podcast? And one of the moms said, how about the crap people say to you? Um, and she said that she mostly hears things from strangers, uh, everything from when she was pregnant, like, whoa, you must be ready to pop anytime, or you got twins in there uh, when she had just one baby, uh, or uh, when she's out with her husband and they both have dark hair. And I've had this too, because our, our baby has red hair. Like, whoa, where'd they get that blonde hair from? Must be the mailman. Uh, or commenting on a child's size right in front of them. Uh, oh, your, your son's four, he's so small. Or your daughter's six, she's huge. Um, not only is it hard on the parents, but the kids, as they get older, they hear these things too. And you wonder um, what prompts people to say it. Are, it. are they socially awkward and it just pops out because they couldn't think of something else to say? Did they have malice with what they were saying? Is it totally benign and innocent? But it it can be one of those time bombs that goes in your head and starts to go off in the middle of the night or later, and then you start questioning questioning yourself as a parent, as a mother, adds on to that mom guilt. Um, or everyone has parenting advice. So your your baby or your child's crying in public, and people start asking, um, like, do you have a pacifier? Have you tried swaddling? Are they super tired? Did you did you get them to nap? And in fact, do you need some tips for napping? If you and if you comment on this, like they're napping in their car seat or they're napping in a bassinet, um, uh, people start telling you where they should nap or uh, things that worked for them. And granted, some of it is helpful. Some of it just doesn't work. Some of it you're so sleep deprived, you can't even imagine a way out of this madness right now. You're just like if they just sleep for an hour, maybe I'll get 20 minutes and that's good for me. But I'm I, the one mom who posted this said, I'm sure I'm not the only one getting this and was basically looking for others who say, you know, does this happen in everyday life? Um, I noticed doing a lot of traveling with my first, there were different cultural norms. Um, people who would try to touch my baby, uh, who, um, just thought, you know, that, that would help or offered to hold the baby on a flight. Um, there were a few times I actually said yes and let strangers hold my baby because I needed a little break, but not everyone offers to do that. And some were moms, some were dads, some were white, some were black, some were British, some were Asian. Um, there was one woman I remember seated, uh, who was seated next to me from China, I believe, and she spoke very little English, but connected with my son. I think he was seven or eight months old at the time. And by the end of the flight, was holding him and just talking to him in Chinese and, and playing with him. And that was great for me where another time I sat next to a man who started offering me 
unsolicited advice on my children and I sat there and listened, but I mean, it, it does happen. Um, and it happens on a regular basis. So I just want to know, are you a person who has offered advice? Uh, maybe you're doing so out of kindness of your heart and you just hope it's helping someone else. I know, let me tell you, two weeks ago, I heard a couple in Target in the breast pump section and the husband was talking to the wife and they were asking all these questions like, how many nipple sizes do we need? How many bottles do we need? Which brand do we need? And I could hear them totally stressed out and I just stopped them. I said, do you guys have any questions? I'm nursing my baby right now. And, you know, I, I use this Medela brand. I can talk to it because I use it. And they looked at me like, yes, tell us everything. And the husband was literally like, how many times a day do you feed the baby? How do you wash this? How many bottles do we actually need? Um, I mean, he had every question under the sun and the wife just stood there and I was like, maybe she knows what she's doing, but she didn't say anything. So I explained to them the best I could, what I used, what worked for me, um, how I used a steam bag to disinfect them in between feedings. Oh, I remember he was like, and how long does breast milk stay fresh for? What about if it's out? What if it's in the fridge? What if it's in the freezer? So I went through guidelines with him and finally I just gave him some resources uh, to help them out. But it's like that new parent deer in the headlight look, which I went through. Um, I've been there and I remember asking other people, but it's just like sometimes stranger advice is good. Sometimes it's not good. What have people stopped you and said to you in the wild, in public, uh, what worked and what didn't use? Hashtag your mama podcast on any social network. And again, email me anytime if you want to be a guest and tell one of your embarrassing mom stories, or maybe you are a stranger on the street who has offered some crazy advice. I wanted to tell you guys and, and anyone who's listening, first of all, I always thank you at the end of the podcast because it really means a lot to me. This is both my, I think my inner therapy talking about things that happen in my life. So you might hear some repetition and that's okay. Um, you can also select topics. If it's a little bit of therapy for me, maybe it's a little bit of therapy for you too. I'm by no means a therapist, but I can talk real talk about what's happening in my life. And maybe you want to come on and be a guest and talk about an important topic. Um, coming up in the next two weeks, I'm going to have a college friend on who I'm really excited about. She is a powerhouse lawyer who is giving up her career. She has a set of twins and another toddler. And she said, man, I wish somebody would have talk to me about career ambition and mom ambition. Um, she wants to be able to spend more time with her children and, and realize there was such a disconnect with her, her professional ambition. And she's always been an ambitious woman. I remember in college, I used to think, man, this girl has got it together. She knew what she wanted to do. She worked hard. I feel like she's one of those people. I was just like, I feel like such an immature college student and she had things figured out. And now as a mom, it's like she's coming back and re-examining her life, re-evaluating. And I don't want to give away too much of what we're, we're talking about, but like she said, I want a career where I don't have to put on pantyhose every day to go into a courtroom because, dang it, I just don't have time or it's just not practical or I get a run in every single pair trying to get three kids out the door every day. And maybe I want to have more kids. Maybe I'm not done. And this career just doesn't align with what I'm doing. And I get that. Seven years ago, I made a choice to quit the corporate and business world in a traditional sense and start my own business because I knew in the next year or so we wanted to have kids. We had already been married five years. I knew I was giving things up. I knew it. And I'm still okay with it. I love my job. I love that my baby's sleeping, napping in the other room. My son's downstairs with his babysitter. 
And I know I'm going to be traveling again soon and it'll be a crazy life again coming off this maternity leaf of sorts. But I, I made this conscious choice and I've put all my effort towards it and my husband's put all of his effort towards it to make this work. And it's not always easy, but it's like if you could talk to your college age self or your new newly into the business world self as a woman, as a female, what might you tell yourself? What thing, what things would you give your permission, yourself permission to be aware of, um, and to support the young, younger women, the next generation in the workforce, if they choose not to have children, um, and you know, they don't want to, how can we support them and help them? But also women who are getting back into the workforce in their thirties or in their forties after taking time to help their families, uh, I, I have a, a goal to interview the founder of a company based out of Chicago that's helping women stay relevant in the workforce while they're on maternity leave or raising children. And they're working mostly in the IT sector, I believe, to find freelance or part-time or temporary work for these women to keep their resumes current. So when they go back to the workforce, they don't have a giant chunk of time missing if that's their life plan. I'm not saying every woman has to do that. I just know for me, work is a really fulfilling part of my life. I enjoy it. I love the brands I work with. And I do worry about not being relevant because I'm home. I'm with kids. I'm doing a lot of mom stuff. So what I'm doing is for use of a better startup term, pivoting and incorporating mom life into my work life, both on my blog, through this podcast, through brands and products I work with. And I want to find that way to make them not just synonymous, but my very first mentor and boss helped me come up with something when, when she helped me figure out, you know, what do I want to do in the future? What is my kind of end goal in my job? And I always have said, I want people to hear my name and know what it is that I do. And it's always been some sort of public relations. Um, but now I brand myself as a digital correspondent and I can be a digital correspondent to anything, to any product that's natural. I mean, I love beauty and fashion and technology, mom stuff, fitness, and healthy eating. I mean, if I had to round myself up, that's really my core spot. So making that part of a lifestyle and only talking about products and brands that I think people, um, number one, will trust me to listen to me about, but that are really good and and work for uh, various budgets, various things. I mean, one of the things that I, I really want to talk start doing on my site is a better job of curating kids' tech products, everything from kids' wearables to apps. And there are tons of resources that exist out there for reviews um, and people testing things out or sites where you can just purchase them, like looking on Amazon reviews. But actually giving a, a voice to saying this, I think this is really appropriate for this age. And here's why my kids like it. Here's why I like it and trust it and make it easier. Like right now, my son has not asked for this, but I want to get him a smartwatch, um, a watch where he can make emergency phone calls. That's really all I care about is emergency phone calls. Um, but a, a lot of them, uh, smartwatches that I've seen geared at kids have fitness tracking or, um, uh, different games on them, uh, or, uh, ways to, um, uh, use cameras, video cameras that connect with a device they already have, like an iPad. The reason I want to do this is more out of my, um, uh, from a security nature. My son's going to be starting kindergarten and he's getting older and I want him to have a way to reach me, but I don't want to give him a smartphone at a young age. 
he gets tablet use, of course, and he can use my smartphone, but it's supervised and he has limits and guidelines and, you know, I have security measures set up. I love this idea of a smartwatch that he can use to call three to four people, maybe up to six, whatever it is, but emergency contacts. Um, maybe it has a SIM card. It's on a 2G platform, but it has a SIM card installed so he can make these emergency contacts to me. For me, I would love it for you know school pickup and drop off. If he's at a friend's house and needs something, um, heck, if he's downstairs and I'm upstairs nursing the baby, I love technology. It's already integrated into his life, and as far as I know right now, there aren't any rules about smartwatches in schools. And I would, you know, teach him appropriate ways to use this. I'm sure at some point some kid's going to get one when they become more mainstream, abuse it, and kids will lose the privilege of having them. But for now, I feel like my son could model really good behavior uh, with these things. So I've been searching and searching for the right smartwatch. And, you know, I found some in the $30 to $40 range on Amazon and they had horrible reviews. And I'm looking at one now that's in the $200 price point. I actually tweeted about it last night. And um, I'm, I'm wondering if any of you are using it or have it. It's the, I believe it's pronounced Dokatech. It's from Doki Technologies. Um, it's a, it, it is a smartwatch, and um, it's a wearable phone and GPS locator. It's supposed to keep your family connected. Um, it tracks other things like if the kids are active and staying hydrated during the summer, which is really fun, but it has that emergency call feature that I... I really love. It also prevents my son from having his own smartphone at a young age, which I'm really not on board with yet. So for me, wearables and kids are a big topic, but where can I go to find this? I'm soliciting advice online. I'm reading advice. So I might start reviewing these and posting um, and for all different price points, not everybody has $200 they want to spend on something for a five-year-old that they could easily lose or break. They might be interested in one that works moderately well for $30 to $40, or maybe they just want to track the technology because they've got a kid that someday will use one. So this is my, I guess you'd call it a first world problem, struggle right now, um, looking for that smartwatch. But let me know what, what you're using, if you're looking for something similar, and if I can be of any help in that area. Um, the other thing that I really want to work on for kids that you will hopefully see in the near future is... Um, a really fun way to protect kids' eyes from the blue-violet, ultraviolet lights uh, that they're getting exposed to at a very young age from the amount of screen time that they're getting. Their little eyes are so sensitive, and the closer they're holding phones and iPads to it is already causing issues for them. And I want to give you one quick parenting tip uh, because I've said before my son gets and has had a lot of screen time, especially with this new baby coming on board. We turn down the lighting. We either turn it down all the way or three quarters of the way down. I heard from some eye doctors that I was working with um, on one of my clients that that alone can help protect their eyes uh, exponentially, just turning down the light so that it is not blasting into their eyes. And if you can get some kind of stand for them so they're not holding it in their hands super close to their face because kids naturally, are, they bring things really close to their face or they're laying down using it and holding it up above their eyes. So it's important to me. Um, I have horrible vision and I always have. And I know the amount of screens that I sit in front of, I'm sure, uh, are part of the reason why my eyes get worse every single year when I go to the eye doctor, since that's one of the questions that they ask. So this is my little public service announcement for kids' vision. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. 
Thank you, as always, for listening to me ramble on. I promise there will be more guests coming up on Your Mama Podcast. You can stay in touch with me on any social network. Twitter, it's at PR Sarah Evans with an H. On Instagram, just Sarah Evans. On Snapchat, which is one of my faves, Sarah's faves, S-A-R-A-H-S-V-A-V-E-S. All of Your Mama's podcasts are available on SoundCloud and now officially available on iTunes, so you can search for it there. You can email me anytime with topics you'd like to hear at prsarahevans at gmail.com. And as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, and I will chat with you soon.